Well, welcome. Welcome to week three of our EXO series where we have been working together uh, for the last three weeks, taking a close look at our relationships and how uh, we can have relationships that are honoring God. And today I want to talk about our kids, our children, our students. And before I uh, go any further, with a tender heart, I walk into this today knowing that there, that there may be some that are here that are still waiting for God's timing and and, and, and his provision of children, and, and my heart is with you today, but I want to challenge you as we head into this to know that you still have influence in the lives of kids and students around you, and so together, this is for parents, and this is for grandparents, and this is for aunts and uncles, and this is for teachers and coaches and small group leaders, and, and this is for tutors and mentors and employers and counselors. This is for all of us that have children or students in our lives. We all have a responsibility here, and so today, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Psalm chapter 127, and this is a powerful psalm that, that provides for us a word picture of, of, uh, of our children in our lives and how we are to see them and how we're to understand them and how we're to uh, use uh, the time that we have with them to, to impactfully touch their lives as well. So the psalmist used a metaphor in this passage of scripture that's important uh, for us to see. And I want to challenge you with this metaphor today. So let's jump in. We're going to um, look at these three verses starting in uh, Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children are born to a young man like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So here in this psalm, we have this word picture, this metaphor to help us understand our responsibility to our children. Every home with kids or grandkids is like an archery range. Uh, every, every classroom is a quiver. Grandparents and mentors and coaches are like warriors. The job of a skilled parent is like a skilled archer. And that reminds me of a story, a story I've shared with you years ago, but it, it fits so appropriately, I'm going to share it again. Matthew Emmons uh, was uh, an individual who dominated at the Olympics. At the time, he was uh, competing in the 50-meter rifle three-position target event, and he was known as the best sharpshooter in the world. And uh, he had already gotten a gold medal and was lining up his final shot in the Olympics. And literally all he had to do was hit his target anywhere. Didn't even need a bullseye to win the gold medal. And he sighted in and he took his shot and he hit a perfect bullseye. But here's the deal. He had sighted in on the wrong target and he fell from gold to eighth place. Because he had sighted in on the wrong target. Listen to what he said after this epic failure. Crap happens, he said. <laughs> I'll live to shoot another day. And his response seems to fall short of the gravity of truly what he must have been thinking and the implications of his, of his missed shot. But in reality, he was right. He would live to shoot another day. But here's what I want to tell you as we unpack this metaphor in Psalm 127. The stakes are high with our kids. 
It is not the same that you will live to shoot another day. We get one shot at this. And guys, listen, we want to do the very, very best we can to raise our kids right. So my main thought this weekend is this. Keep the target the target. Keep the target the target. We have to know our bullseye. We have to aim properly. We need to be serious about stewarding this responsibility well. And what should our focus be as those that have influence in our kids' lives? And that's what this weekend is all about. To become a proficient marksman, what you do is get lots of reps and you practice over and over and over again, until like most athletic uh, achievements, it's, it's as though you have muscle memory. You don't even have to think about it anymore. It just comes so naturally that it's second nature. Muscle memory just takes over, and this weekend, my objective is to help all of us develop some mental memory that will help us to keep our focus as we raise our children and influence the lives of the kids around us. So I want you to think with me today about muscle memory and what are some things that should be default to us as it relates to our kids and our students and our children. The first thing, if you're taking notes that I would like for you to write down is this. The first part of that muscle memory is that we must always remember that children are a blessing, not a burden. Children are a blessing, not a burden. I got one amen on that. That's not okay. Let's try it again. Your kids are here or will be watching. Children are a blessing, not a burden. Okay, all right. So let's get started with the way that we think, the way that we think, the way that we understand this, the way that we think about our children. Grandparents, you're not off the hook here. The way you think about your grandchildren and your nieces, your nephews, your students, the athletes, your neighbors, all of these things are so important. Listen again to what the psalmist said in Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. This is where we have to start when we talk about mental memory. Because listen, you know and I know there will be days that it's a challenge to remember this. Our children are a blessing, not a burden, a gift or a reward. Later in verse 5, the psalmist says, How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. And if you look at this verse and you study these words, the closest that we can translate this is, Happy, happy is the man. Or amply blessed from God is the man. So let me talk to you about four blessings in my life. In my wife's life, we have four children, three boys, and sweet Megan. Josh is our oldest. And Luke came along 14 months after that. And then Zach, who we call Z or Z-Dog, he came 16 months after that. And then Megan was born two and a half years later. So we basically had four kids at five or under. And Why? You see, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. That's for another sermon series topic, which eventually we'll get to if you stick around long enough. But you guys know me. For the sake of time and vulnerability and authenticity, let me just share with you what I know to be fact. You see, when I was in college, I blew my knee out twice. I had four surgeries before Beth and I were married. And the obvious result was that I wasn't as fleet of foot as I once was. So Beth just kept relentlessly chasing me down. And I couldn't escape from her pursuit because of that knee. And we have four kids now. 
Don't feel too bad for me, though. It's just the cross that I bear. <laughs> Seriously, obviously, there were times when having four kids that young were a challenge. Many of you know because you're in the middle of this right now, and you could imagine, before we had children, listen, this was amazing. Think about this. We could go to the grocery store and walk down the cereal aisle without it being World War III. You guys know what I'm talking about. Man, after, after you have these four kids that young, man, going to the grocery store is a major challenge. Uh, you, you, you know, uh, date nights, date nights, like every night was a date night before we had a kid. And then all of a sudden date night changed and you got to like strategically plan for date night. You need to save for date night and you're lucky if you can get a babysitter and then still have money to go out for dinner when you're done. Exhausted all the time. And then, you know, when it's time to go to bed, it's just crazy. One comedian said that it's absolutely amazing that anytime you tell your children it's time to go to bed, it blows their mind like it's the first time they've ever heard of this novel idea, right? And next thing you know, the games go on as you're trying to get the kids bathed and the teeth brushed and the jammies on. I remember we used to say to the kids, uh, did you brush your teeth? They're like, yeah, yeah, I brushed my teeth. I'm like, get over here. Let me smell your breath, right? You guys ever do this? you got to double check, make sure they're telling the truth. And inevitably, in the middle of all the challenge to get them ready for bed, then all of a sudden, one just ends up naked, running around the house, drawing on the walls, and things get crazy. Now, before kids, it was Beth and I running around the house naked. <laughs> now you've got no time for that. No time for that. Too tired. Plus, it's the bad knee, right? I know what you're thinking right now. Doug, you're telling us that children are a blessing, not a burden. And this sermon so far feels like birth control, right? (laughs) But I need you to hear me today. I want you to hold with this thought. Because you see, a blessing can be confused with a burden because they're both heavy. Now let me say that again. A blessing can be confused with a burden because they're both heavy. Be careful not to get this confused. You see, parenting is a weighty responsibility. And I know in my life, I want to live and be a person of influence. And I venture to guess that you want to be a person of influence as well. And when you think about it, there's no greater responsibility or opportunity for influence than any of us have with our own children. Someday, Someday those little ones that you're raising, someday those teenagers that are in your home right now are going to learn that God is described as our father. And they're going to learn that God has the heart of a mother. And the way that they understand that, the way that they understand God is very dependent upon what they get from you as a mom and a dad. The stakes are high and that's weighty. So guys, we need to keep the target, the target, I've been reading through Paul's letters in my time with Jesus this year. I decided that I would do that to read through. They're called the Pauline epistles to to read these letters that he wrote to the churches that that he was responsible for helping to lead. And there's this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, that, that I think just hits very appropriately to what we're talking about here today. And I want you to listen to it in light of the challenges that we have in raising our kids. This is what he said in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 
So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. If you've had children for any length of time, undoubtedly you've heard someone say this. It goes so fast. You see, you and I need to keep eternity in focus in our interactions with our kids. And if you look at the job of parenting without faith, you see what you'll see is problems. You'll see challenges. You'll see all of the nuances of of the difficulties that are part of this because it can be heavy. But with faith, you see, we see eternal possibilities and eternal implications And this is a responsibility that you and I have because, listen, please hear my heart. There will be a day soon when you wish they were there. And don't miss the beauty of the mess because I promise you it's over way too fast. When Beth first got pregnant, her dad, who's always been such a fatherly influence in my life said this to us he said Doug just know this raising your children will be the hardest thing you'll ever have to do and I can remember after my sister Emily and my brothers and I had gotten a little bit older every once in a while in this introspective kind of thought my dad would say this he would say Doug if I could do it all over again I would And I had no idea what he was talking about. But I do now. And I can tell you, if I could rewind the clock and do it again, I would. You know what else I know? I'd be way better at it the second time around. (laughs) Last service, my son Josh was here and he said, amen. So we need to remember, someone this week is going to need to remember this first point of developing this muscle memory in our, in our parenting, and that's this, that, that our children, we must remember this, are a blessing, not a burden. And so in the middle of a challenge this week, will you be reminded of that? The next thing I want you to write down is this, there are many arrows, but one target. Many arrows, one target. So let me just give you a little arrow one-on-one. There is... There is an unlimited amount of different types and versions of arrows. The spines on the arrow can be carbon, aluminum, wood, fiberglass, different levels of flex in those arrows. And then there's the fletchings, which are the feathers that help keep it on course. And there's any number of different uh, configurations and types of feathers that could be on an arrow. And then you have the inserts and the knocks, and that's before you get to all the different varied uh, tips of the arrows. And you know this, but it's vitally important to be reminded of this often. Just like there are different kinds of arrows, our kids are different as well. Now, I remember after Josh was born, just about the time you think you got it figured out, you know what happens. Number two shows up completely different. The rules are different. The game is different. The personality is different. The likes and the interests and the passions are different. The way you discipline is different. The temperament is different. The personalities, the way they look. Josh is different from Luke, who's different than Z, who's different than Megan. Same DNA. It blows your mind. How can they be so different? Lots of different arrows. But please hear this. 
one target, one target, different arrows. All arrows are meant to do the same thing. You know what they're meant to do? Hit the target. That's why we need to think today about what the target really is. You want to know. This is vital. We have to understand what the target is. There's so many messages that are being communicated in the world around us. It's important that we know what the bullseye is. And so I think, I think it would be very wise for all of us to listen to what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That our children would know Jesus. That our children would live for Jesus, love Jesus, and help others to know Jesus. We keep the target the target. We have to have a place of focus. And, and, and I remember in the Old Testament, Joshua, he drove the stake in the ground and he made this statement that must become all of our statements. He said this, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now we all are making declarative statements by the way that we live. Each of you that are here and each of you that are online, listen, we're, we're making declarative statements. Sometimes what we say by the way we prioritize our lives is this. As for me and my house, we will play soccer, right? And I have nothing against sports. You guys know I love athletics and I love what athletics have, have taught our children, the lessons that were learned. But sometimes that's what we say. Or we'll say, as for me and my house, we will get 4.0s. Or as for me and my house, what we will prioritize above all else is that we will make as much money as we can. Or as for me and my house, we will keep the family business in the family. Listen, guys, we all have a target. And I think it would be important for us to pause today, to think today, to evaluate carefully if we've been aiming at the wrong target. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, you aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. You aim at earth and you get neither. Well, what did he mean by that? You see, it's important for all of us to keep eternity in mind because you know what God promised us is that he came to give us life and life to the full. And the only way that we will ever understand life to its full is when you and I keep our eyes on eternity and understand that things of God are what matter most. And when we keep that in focus, we'll see and experience the, this earth that you and I live in differently. Many arrows, one target. So the next part of our muscle memory with our children is that, that we need to understand our job is to aim the arrow. Our job is to aim the arrow. It's the job of every parent to aim their children towards the target. It's the aim of every teacher that follows Jesus, every coach, every, every person that's contributing here at church, investing in the lives of students and children. It's the aim of all of us that in this community have influence over young people's lives that we would aim our children towards the target. And so the question then that we have to ask ourselves is, how do we do that most effectively? How do we most effectively help aim the target, aim our children towards the target? And here's what it is. Are you ready? You be and live the example yourself. 
That's how you do it. It is the single greatest way for you to keep that focus and aim the arrows in our life. And so my responsibility is to do that in my home, and it's your responsibility to do that in your home. And then together, you see what we do is we have this kind of influence by living together this way in this community. Because here's what I have learned, and here's what I know about raising kids from raising my four. I need your help. I need your backup. I need my kids to see that dad's not the only one that's crazy about Jesus. When we live that way together, you see our collective influence grows and our kids see these examples all around them. Now there's this powerful passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want to read it to you. The first verse, you will have heard this before, but then I want you to see how this unpacks. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. You tie them to your hands and you wear them on your forehead as reminders. You write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That seems like a pretty thorough challenge. Would you agree? Now, I can remember when I was a kid, inevitably, whatever it was that I was dealing with in my life, good or bad, if there are areas that needed correction in my life, inevitably what would happen is a verse would pop up on a mirror somewhere. My mom would hang verses everywhere. And she was so full of discernment that she was paying attention to what was going on in our lives and inevitably what would happen in the middle of whatever challenge we had is mom would find a verse that somehow applied and put that up all over our house. My sister, Pastor Emily, our children's pastor, sent me this quote this week. It says this, if parents have an unnoticeable faith, that's the faith they're passing on to their kids. Hey, dads, listen to me for a minute. You be the real deal. Moms, your children need to see your passion for Jesus. Grandparents, you are not off the hook on this. They need to see your passion for the Lord. Aunts and uncles, teachers, Coaches, listen, we live together passionate about our relationship with the Lord because if parents have an unnoticeable faith, that's the faith we're passing on to our kids. That should cause all of us to want to step up our game. I read an article this week talking about passing our faith on to the next generation, and we need to know, we need to know what it is that makes a difference in kids, students that, that demonstrate a higher competency and fluency in living their faith out. And so these people studied these families and studied these students' lives, and they came up with three main things that make a difference in, in these highly engaged, or in these uh, students that were really living their faith out. There's three factors, and it's important to see the order of these three factors, because all too often, what happens is you think it's the church's responsibility to, to have this spiritual influence over your kids. As a matter of fact, years ago, when when Doug was a youth pastor, I can remember the day when a mom dropped a student off at my office, knowing that we had a 20-minute time to, to meet together, and she said, will you please fix my kid in the next 20 minutes? 
I was like, it's an impossibility because you spent the last 14 jacking this kid up. (laughs) So what are these three things? These major factors. The first one is highly engaged parents who care for their own faith in the faith of their children. Number one, it's what we're talking about. That the kids would see this example in our lives. The second one, and it's second for a reason, and it's why we have such an amazing children's ministry and why our student ministry is so powerful. And that's that the second thing is that there are other adults that are actively supporting students in their walk with God. And part of what happens when we work together is that we're challenging and inviting these students to live on mission, to not just know about it, to not just see it at play, but invite them to live on mission with us together. So for parents and churches, it's very clear. Please hear me. You will get who you are. The challenge is high. So I beg you to take your faith seriously. And, and I understand that this could be overwhelming to many. But could I also remind you that my parents came to faith late in their lives. My brother and I were two, three years old when my mom and dad came to faith. My mom knew nothing about the Bible prior to that. But my mom learned about things of faith, teaching her kids things of faith. And if she was still alive, she would tell you today that she learned the Bible stories reading us the Bible stories. And I want to challenge you as parents that you might feel ill-equipped or unable to pass this heritage on to your kids because you don't know enough. Listen, that's where we have opportunity to work together. So I want to share with you some things that you might not know about the ministry of our children's department and what they do to help you every single week. They work relentlessly to provide these materials to equip you to have conversations of things of faith and to share the stories that the kids will be learning when they come to church. So you need, listen, if you don't already, you must follow the children's ministries of Plum Creek if your kids are in the, in the kids' ministries. Why? Because every week prior to your children coming to church, you will get these resources. The first one is called Know Before You Go, which is a resource for you where parents are given a link to read with their kids each week, a week in advance, the story that they're going to be using and teaching the coming weekend. Because we want parents to be the first ones to share these stories with their kids. Now listen, there's another opportunity, and when you read that passage that I just read to you about all of these moments where we should be actively sharing things of faith with our kid, listen, you have an unbelievable opportunity. How many of you guys are uh, overwhelmed sometimes with, with being the taxi driver for all of your kids' activities? Do you have that happen? Here's what I think. Stop looking at it that way. Look at it this way. Your children are buckled in as captive audience. So instead of talking on your phone or instead of listening to the radio or putting a movie on for your kids, what if instead you downloaded what we call church in the car? It's strategic. You have this captive audience, so we encourage parents to load it on their phone, hand it to the kids, and and have the kids, while they're in the car, listen, click the link to last week's Bible lesson, and the parents can then listen and have conversations with their kids about what they've just learned. Did you know this was available to you? This is awesome. 
Oh, but that's not it. Do I sound like an infomercial? Every single Friday, our team is going to send to you spiritual parenting ideas and tips so perfect for all of us. We upload an article or a video or some kind of fun idea for you as a parent to, to utilize in, in these conversation and ideas of ways that you can have spiritual influence on your kids. And then starting on March 28th, we also are going to have this amazing class, a spiritual parenting class. And listen, our goal is that every single parent that has students and children in our, in our uh, programs here at Plum Creek would have an opportunity to walk through this class. So we need to know our job is to aim the arrow. Now let me share with you next, number four, this thing that we would know about arrows, but now I want you to think about it in the context of your children. You see, arrows extend our reach. In Psalm 127.4, the psalmist said, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. You see, the, the beauty, beauty of an arrow in a skilled archer is this. Those arrows can go higher and fly further than you ever could on your own. And I believe that this is true as it relates to our children as well. And and I have prayed this way and believed this way from the very moment God blessed us with our first son, Josh. My prayer has always been by God's grace that my kids will go further and have greater influence than Beth and I could have ever had. And that together, collectively, they will have more kingdom impact than Beth and I could have ever had. So how does this happen? Well, we will love them like crazy. We will pray for them daily. Because of our experience and our encouragement and our celebration of their wins, we will keep challenging them to do more than we ever have for the cause of Christ. And ultimately, you see, I don't know what God's going to call my kids to do. And I don't know what God's going to call your kids to do. But this is what I have great confidence of. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.10, For we, together, our kids as well, are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. My prayer is that my kids will find their thing, whatever their thing is. That they will get passionate about something and Quite honestly, it doesn't matter so much what they choose to do as a living. That's not what's most important. Here's what's most important, that wherever God puts them, that whatever relationships are opened because of the place where they work and the things that they do, that they will have great impact for the cause of Christ. And it doesn't matter what you do for a living, you can do that. And that's my prayer for my children that God will use them for kingdom purposes. You see, I have such distinct memories of walking down the oh-so-steep steps at the Miller Ranch back in the day. And as I was tiptoeing down those stairs, I could hear my mom and dad praying for me, praying for my children, praying that my life, my siblings' lives, and our children one day would have great impact for God. I have distinct memories of the challenges my parents gave us as kids to know Jesus, to know his heart, and to care about the things that Jesus cared about. 
When our kids are young, we work hard to have them do what we tell them to do. But as they grow older, listen, they tend to do what we have shown them. So we challenge our kids to live different. We challenge our kids to think different and to lead different by, and this is how we do it. We do that by living and thinking and leading ourselves different so our kids can see the examples. So as I said before, please, I beg of you, be the real deal. Be the real deal that your kids need to see in their lives. And then collectively together, we work hard to be the real deal so our children can have greater impact in this world than any of us could have ever had. So when we think about this muscle memory, we think about and be reminded this week that children are a blessing, not a burden. That there are many arrows. There's only one target, and our job is to do the best we can to aim those arrows towards the target. And with excitement, you see, we keep believing the possibilities that are there because we want our arrows in our lives that we've been blessed with to extend our reach and have great influence. But finally, it's impossible to miss this in the metaphor the psalmist uses, and that's this, that arrows are weapons, and this is war. Arrows during this time when this was written were for hunting and were for war, to hit the mark and to get the job done. And there are many that feel in this world today that it's foolish because of the debauchery that exists in this culture that you and I live in, that it's, it's, just, it's just they don't feel comfortable bringing kids into this culture that we live in. Now let me tell you, I refuse to believe that. I'm not buying into that, and I don't want you to buy into that. Rather, I choose to say this. Desperate times, desperate times, they, they require desperate measures. So instead, what I want to do, and what Beth and I's prayer has been, and what so many of you have helped to influence my kids is, is this, that we will raise our kids to be dangerous for the cause of Christ. In a world where nobody sees people living for Jesus, listen, I want you to see my kids living for Jesus, and I want people to see your kids living for Jesus too. So instead of falling back into defensive mode, how about if we raise kids that are dangerous for the cause of Christ? How about if we invest our lives? There should never be a need for a contributor in the kids' areas. There should never be a need for contributors in the student ministry areas because we all understand there's nothing better than a young person that's on fire for Jesus. You know why? Because they have more faith than we do. They don't look at it and think it can't be done. They look at it and they see, gosh, God could do anything and wouldn't it be fun to be part of what God is doing? So we make a decision together. I challenge my kids to make a difference. I challenge your kids to live for Jesus in a world that seems so far from him. Let's, let's see this being true of the kids that you and I have opportunity to influence. Forever, I have prayed this prayer that God would help Beth and I, and with your help, to raise my four kids to change the world. And so today, I want to show you something. Something that you maybe likely have forgotten. But I want to show you a short video clip, and I want you to pay close attention to the date of this video clip. 
because you see this was taught in the weekend of January 13th and 14th, 2018, four days before our oldest son, Josh, almost died. When he had his sinus infection go into his brain that caused a stroke and it took out the complete use of his right side of his body and his, and his ability to speak. And some of you know the story. That debilitating stroke caused him to have to endure multiple surgeries and live for 112 days without a skull on the left side of his head. That year, 2018, Josh spent over 140 days hospitalized learning how to walk and talk again. In four days before that happened to our son, this is what I taught. I've shared this with you before that a few years ago I was really challenged about the way that I pray for my kids. And so when I catch myself praying for their safety, which is often, I then pray that God will make them dangerous for the cause of Christ. You see, sometimes we pray too much for the safety of our kids and somehow think that that's the ultimate goal, that they'll arrive one day in eternity safe and sound. Oh, praise the Lord. Man, I don't want that for my kids. I want them to be dangerous. I want them to live on the edge of what they're capable of doing themselves so they have to completely rely on God. I'm not sorry I prayed that prayer. That doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that I would have that I would have wanted Josh to go through what he went through. Heck no, no way, no way. Some of you know this because you've been through it. There's nothing like watching your kid hanging on to life by a thread. And I still pray that God will keep my kids safe and I pray that he'll keep your kids safe too. But I'm never gonna stop praying that God would somehow not use my kids to be dangerous for the cause of Christ. And as horribly difficult as that circumstance was for us and that year was brutal and Josh still dealing with some of the side effects of what he's walked through, listen, he's alive. God's not done with him yet. And the reality of that story is that God used that circumstance and those situations to get my son's focus on the target in a completely different kind of way. And just like our God does, he took a horrible situation and he used it to change me, changed my family, Josh was here in the last service. I asked this question too for those of you that were here. Did it have impact on your life too? Raise your hand. Dangerous. Dangerous for the cause of Christ. Touched a lot of people. I went back this week and you know his Caring Bridge page? Almost 125,000 hits. I still hate that he had to go through it. But I'm glad that God used it. And if you call Plum Creek home, let me tell you what I'm praying. That your children will be safe, but not so safe that they wouldn't also be dangerous for the cause of Christ.
Because together, the collective influence that we have, listen, change this valley. And if together we can get your kids on fire for Jesus, you know what we do? With God's help, we change the world. The stakes are high. And that's why we take this serious. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as a church, we need a weekend like this where we focus in on the responsibility of raising our kids well. And it's so easy in the demands of parenting and caring for kids and teaching in classrooms and coaching kids that it just can become overwhelming. And so today, Father, we just ask that you would walk with us and that you will help us to develop the mental memory that we've talked about today to be reminded of of what we need to do together to influence our kids well. That our kids would be part of this amazing army of young people that passionately serve you. Lord, I thank you today for those that contribute in our kids' areas with such faithfulness, week in and week out, opportunity to invest in these kids' lives. I thank you for our children's ministries team, for those that are pastoring that area and leading. Give them wisdom and insight. Lord, I thank you for our student ministry team and Lord, for all that you're doing in the lives of those students, Lord. Pastor Stephen will share here in a minute some of the good news that's been part of this ministry. And I thank you for those contributors that every week with relentless passion show up here on Sunday night and invest in our students' lives. Lord, I ask that you would stir in someone's heart today what it might look like for them to jump in and become contributors in these areas too so that collectively we could tag team on our kids things of faith that they would build their lives on a solid foundation. Perhaps you're a parent that's here and as you've heard me talk about this, maybe you're a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle. And when I talk about having influence in children's lives, For the cause of Christ, you realize you don't have a relationship with him. Paul gives us this challenge to forget the past and push on to what's ahead. And maybe it would be today that you would make a decision to accept Christ as your Savior, to make him the Lord of your life, and to learn with the kids that are around you what it means to passionately live for him. If that's you and you want to Start that relationship. Just simply pray this prayer. God, I know I need you. I want the students and the children in my life to see an example in me. I ask you to forgive me and allow me to be the Lord, you to be the Lord of my life. Help me to do a great job stewarding the responsibility of this influence. Help me to grow in my faith so that I can help others grow in their faith too. And Lord, for every parent, every grandparent, aunt, uncle, mentor, coach, teacher, everyone that's here that has influence on students' and children's lives, Lord, will you help us this week to take this mandate from you seriously so that together we can do the very best job that we can to see these young people living on fire for Jesus too. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.